All right, Mike. So the uh, the new Thousand Suns Codex is out. Oh yeah, I heard about that. Um, I mean, it's been the people talking about it. Uh, was it Thousand Suns? I mean, no, no, it's not. What are we kidding ourselves? We're not going to get a new codex. Nope, never going to happen. <laughs> but Space Marines are. Yep, Space Marines have a new codex, and it is a doozy. Not only a new codex, but they've got a new codex and two supplements. Um, and we're going to dig into a bit of the stuff that they have released here um, and maybe talk a bit about what that means for us Thousand Suns players and how the bar just keeps getting raised higher and higher and how we deal with it. So, mm-hmm. so where do you want to start? Well, um, I guess the big thing, so I, we talked last week about the uh, new sort of universal special rules that have come out. So I don't think we need to dwell on them too much. Right. Um, so effectively, as I'm sure all of you are aware, if you're a space marine or a space marine accessory that is not a goat or human or a robot, I suppose, um, you get a whole bunch of new rules um, if you're a loyalist and two new rules if you're not. Um, so effectively, the uh, new codex uh, codifies <laughs> the uh, nation on a fear, which they all, always had, um, and which chaos does not get unless you're a word bearer. Does raise some questions. Um, Bolter discipline, uh, which is again the uh, ability to fire full shots if you are within half range, are infantry and don't move, or are a Terminator, Biker, Centurion, or Dreadnought, and you do move. Um, and that's for all Bolter weapons, which is a very nice bonus for Thousand Suns. Our Bolters until well. This codex were the best bolters in the game in terms of just like regular shooting. Like you could argue that maybe the uh, Death Watch have better bolters because they have all those fancy pieces of ammo, but eh, I think that's debatable. And then, of course, there's Shock Assault, which is the good one for uh, everyone, really. Um, effectively, anytime a Stardis charge or are charged or perform a heroic intervention, they get plus one attack, which means that there are several units in the Thousand Suns Codex that now get a buttload of attacks for pretty much free. Um, yeah. Um, with no price increase, that's a, sort of a win for um, everyone involved. And now here's the thing that uh, only the defenders of mankind get as the book refers to them uh doctrines so combat doctrines uh work like this at the start of the game effectively as long as you have only uh your marines in a your given army so everything has to have the um um the same they have to be space marines right yeah um so the way it works is that as long as every unit in the army has the combat doctrine special rule, which right. every unit in the Codex Space Marines has, they, excluding servitors and unaligned units, unaligned being things like fortifications, um, and I think technically fallen, I might be wrong there, um, has yeah. th- this rule. Uh, every model with this rule gains a bonus when using certain weapon types. The bonus being an additional AP on the uh, weapons so the game the game starts off with devastator doctrine effectively all of their heavy and grenade style weapons get plus one ap the grenade thing being a little odd i suppose but um i I guess they just needed a place to put it 
but that means AP2 heavy bolters, AP1, um, AP4 or 5 plasma cannons, just a whole bunch of ridiculous nonsense. And um, be frank, you could build an entire army around just abusing the bejesus out of the Devastator Doctrine. But if they, you want to you know, spice up the mix at the... Yeah, at the start of each battle round, you can choose to change your doctrine. So effectively, once you get devastated doctrine, you can choose to, okay, well, now my bolters in range. Let's change to tactical doctrine, which change effectively gives the AP bonus to all rapid fire and assault weapons. So again, AP1 bolters, AP1, uh, the rapid fire bolt guns. I mean, there's just a whole bunch of good stuff there. And then the assault doctrine, which you can get to by round three, which is actually not very beneficial for assault armies because generally speaking, they want to assault round two or earlier. Right. Adds one AP to your pistols and melee weapons. Um, so that's just, again, just something they got for free. No points changes, pretty much codex wide, other that are different from chapter approved. And that, that's a very, no, other- very solid... Uh, yeah, and on their own, on their own, they're really good. Um, when you think about the doctrines, that's a huge boost. But um, it can kind of bite you um, when you first jump into it, as it did me, uh, just going to a local RTT this past weekend. Um, so one of the mistakes I made was the fact that, oh, well, I'll take my assassin, my, my typical 2CP, bring a Vindicare in my list. He fits right in with what my list is doing. And oh, wait, now I just took away my ability to get doctrines. And the fact that it's an assassin, I was kind of like, please, kill my assassin. Like, I would deploy it, like, right out in front, kind of like, please kill him so I can get my doctrines. And, um, yeah, so that's that's one thing that uh, you got to look out for. The other thing is um, rapid fire, or the, the nice thing in the beginning is that you can switch right in, right out of the gate. So you either can start with your heavy weapons which is really nice if you're running the new, you know, fancy stalker rifle, which is a heavy mm-hmm. bolter. It's a heavy weapon, not a regular weapon. Um, and so you could actually deck out your army in a way where you just, you have like lots of heavy bolters, lots of stalker bolters, things like that. I ran them this weekend with Imperial Fists, and I can tell you that the exploding sixes are amazing, especially when you get to something like having a couple of repulsor tanks or vehicles in your list. Um, I had two of the executioners and the, on the bolt weapons that they're firing, which is a lot of them, you had exploding hits all over the place. Um, the other thing that becomes really nice is on uh, the infiltrators because they have the same mechanic that our enlightened have where anything that is a hit of a six plus uh, ends up automatically wounding. So for those guys, you've now got exploding sixes. Well, they not only wound, it's an exploding six, and you can take that and go ahead and roll another wound with that extra hit that you just got. So there's some really cool little mechanics that you can get out of it, but I do think the gotcha is the fact that they require you to have the whole army have the, the same, or have doctrines, which basically means you've got to run mono space range. You can't soup anything. You can't even guess anything in. And they're not like chaos where we can summon something. But even in that case, I think you still have an argument where if I summon demons, now they're in my army, right? They're on the battlefield. They count as being in my army, which means I wouldn't have my doctrines at that point. So it's kind of like they've even shut down the ability to have that kind of mechanic even work with that, which 
I guess in some ways pretty good, right? Yeah, I think that they're trying to incentivize mono faction and even um, going even further, uh, the two supplements, um, they have special rules that you only get if you're running pure white scars or pure ultramarines. And I think that that's the direction they're moving in because soup is really cool and it can be, I guess, fluffy if you're looking at it from a narrative perspective. However, all too often it's used for some uh, gameplay reason as opposed to, well, my army is this, these guys who are supported by this regiment and whatever. And so I, I think it's a move in the right direction. Um, though I do worry that we're going to get into some level of rule bloat. Uh, like we had at the end of seventh, mostly in that. Now, if you want to play Ultramarines, for instance, you need to bring the Codex plus the, the supplement in your rule book because uh, technically they, you don't need Vigilus uh, uh, Defiant anymore uh, if you're running Marines, if you have the new Codex. Um, a lot of the stratagems and stuff in here actually, they don't necessarily specifically replace it, but they do the same thing. And so I don't, think that you'll need to bring the special detachments if you're using this book yeah it is kind of nice that they started rolling that in you got the stratagems you got you know some of the bonuses and the options there like upgrading your intercessor squad and things those are still very useful Mm -hmm. Um, stuff like that that that's still valuable there even the um the gray shield ability to just kind of ad hoc change your go get the chapter tactic that you want um, still, still having that still makes it really powerful. So, yeah. Um, the other cool thing, uh, Mike, that they, they did here, the custom chapter tactics are really cool. I personally, I don't think we have to go through every single one of them. They, they basically just took a bunch of abilities that you typically see with like different chapters or different legions that, or I guess different faction sub factions that you get in other armies. There's a lot of stuff in here. That's kind of like rinse and repeat to a way, but, but they're not, it's not really good enough to be kind of its own thing, but they let you kind of combine two of them. Um, unless you take like the inheritors of the Primarch, which lets you just choose one of the primary chapters that's there. Yeah. And which would also, if I'm understanding the rules correctly, would allow you to use the special stuff in those supplements um so that yes. way you can just play a successor as opposed to well i didn't paint my guys blue right. and white and make them ultramarine so now i can't ever get that which is really great because it lets you have like it lets you make your own unique army um yeah. and i guess the the way they toned a lot of this stuff down was just to make it so that you couldn't have an army that was just it was better to run a successor chapter than mm-hmm. the main ones i think that's probably what they're shooting for yes but it's kind of hard to just kind of make a you know a la carte list of things you could do for your for your army and not think about all the different permutations of that and having something go wrong so i think that's kind of why some of these might be a little bit you know it might not be quite as good to run a successor chapter and maybe that's just what they intended yeah i mean so effectively um what it strikes to me as is that so effectively if you compare as chapter tactics the successor chapter tactics to the full-on chapter tactics is so a first founding chapter gets three chapter tactics it's usually uh, and when compared to these so like for instance right. the iron hands get their ability to have feel no pain on a six up the uh ability to overwatch on a five and six so that's 
the fancy thing they already had, the thing that they um, they sort of crib off of, off of uh, Tal Sept from the Tal Codex, and then they double the remaining wounds of their vehicles for the purposes of how what's how they operate on the table, which is something they they all have always had. So that's three separate rules, and pretty much all of them have something like that, except for like Ultramarines, I think. But Ultramarines are always in a good spot, anyways. Then effectively the successor chapters, they get two rules. So for instance, uh, they can take bolter fuselades, just which is the same thing that the Imperial Fist get, where they can reroll ones to hit with their bolt weapons. So that's good. And they can take stealthy, so they're sort of almost like Raven Guard. But the Imperial Fist and the Raven Guard are both respectively better at their given role than trying to sort of crib off of both. So the and the the other nice thing I like is that they also when we go back to the inheritors of the Primarch one they add a little designer note in there where they basically just say look if your chapter is a known successor of a specific first founding chapter and they use the Storm Lords as a successor of the White Scars as an example then if you select this you have to select your your actual primary or your primary chapter tactic so it's not like you can take a known it's kind of like what they did is they said look you can also play the known successors and play them as that chapter you know that with the same rules but you can't custom design those guys that way like they they, they made this specifically for like armies that either we don't know uh, like the Minotaurs, for example, we just don't know who their successors are, which I guess kind of loopholes them in in a weird way yeah. where they can just they can do either. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, you know, if you're playing like a known one, you have to go play your chapter. So. Yeah. But like um, also one thing that I found funny reading through this is that effectively um, the Blood Angel, so the Blood Ravens, sorry, um, yeah. were almost a test run for this rule system because they, as I recall correctly, they have stalwart and awarded as their like chapter tactic and um, just something that sort of funny. Now the speaking on that, when you go to all the, all the chat or the stratagems that they brought in, one of them you can actually bring in, if I remember it right, it's the transhuman physiology. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for two CP, you can essentially do the same thing. So why would I take a, I guess I could do that all the time for my whole army. So there's no way for anything to. Yeah. And transhuman physiology is actually better than. Um, uh, because the, it's one through three. Yeah. Stalwart is one and two. So yeah, that would be better. Yeah. But I guess you can't use the transhuman physiology on a vehicle or servitor. Right? And I Correct. guess they just felt servitors were just way too well, powerful and excluded them from a bunch of stuff. I, I get the fluff reason, but I think it's more of the fluff reason. The same reason why cultists and Zengors don't get like sure. the, any special rules now. Sure. But it's a good thing. We still, again, I just want to hammer the point home. It's still a good, good reason. We um, increase them to five points per model because guardsmen are definitely not quite as good as cultists. You bet. Yeah. Anyways. No, um, um, <laughs> so the other thing this book does that I like is that it finally folds in the uh, Vanguard rules for the new Vanguard Primaris stuff into the Codex. So now you have a Space Marines Warlord trait, then you have a Vanguard Warlord trait, and you have the two different power sets also available. And uh, generally speaking, I I think this is a step in the right direction. I was just doing a uh, look through like the points, for instance, of 
like what things are costed now. And pretty much everything stayed the same, but there were a couple of exceptions that I had to laugh about. Um, so think like so land speeders went down by a few points, which is nice. However, there are two units that went down by a lot. Um, the repulsor is now thirty points cheaper than it was as of chapter approved. That's good, I yeah. guess. And uh, the land raider also went down by twenty points. That's so, also interesting. Yep, uh, librarians went up in cost, but otherwise. Uh, Everything seems to have mostly remained the same. There's just those couple of outliers that yeah. uh, I think speak to how often those things saw play. Yeah, and you still have things like the Vindicators where they improved mm-hmm. it because I think they got the same change that we did on the, yes. you know, the heresy side. Yeah. So, and then the other big rules change as far as like something that's important to thousand sons in particular is the litanies of battle which is uh, yeah. effectively chaplains now get prayers um which occur on a three plus and uh, effectively they're a buff that you can't do anything about right um there's one for a five up feel no pain uh from mortal wounds which is not cumulative with other rules like psychic foresters or fleshes right that fun stuff. right and that's good yeah, uh, Catechism of Fire, um, which is effectively uh, whenever the targeted unit shoots at the closest visible enemy unit, they add one to their wound rolls. So effectively, it's like a sort of weakened mm-hmm. uh, Veterans of the Long War. Exhortation of Rage is um, unmodified hit rolls of six. With melee weapons generate an extra attack. So it's, again, Death False Emperor. Uh, Mancher of Strength adds one to the to the chaplain's uh, attacks, strength, and damage um, for a turn. It's almost a better version of what the corn one is, if I remember Mm -hmm. right, because I think they just got plus one attack and strength. I could be wrong. Um, Recitation of Focus, which is actually one you're probably going to see a lot, is um, plus one to hit with ranged weapons. Yep, that's really, really good. And you just can't do anything about it. It's just, here you go. Yeah, it's prescience on a stick. Yep. And then uh, Canticle of Hate, which adds two to the charge rolls of chapter units within six inches. The model so that, This one actually affects multiple units. Um, in addition, whenever uh, chapter units pile in or consolidate, they consolidate six inches as opposed to three. Yeah, um, which that's isn't really good. Cumulative with other bonuses. But effectively, this allows a unit of whatever Marines to drop in nine inches away, pop Canticles of Hate, and... Um, their uh, time standstill power, uh, veil of time power, which will allow them to re-roll the charge distances and add two to the uh, charge range. So you can get some really ugly charges very early because drop pods come in turn one now. And the thing that I don't see, I, I want to assume that these work just like I'm trying to uh, – I was just rereading through the um, the rule section right above. It doesn't seem to tell you. It does really good at but at telling you when they are picked. Is it on the chaplain itself? That it's on the you? chaplain itself. Got it. Okay. So I've, I I assume it's at the beginning of the movement phase or end of movement phase, like the uh, dark apostle. I think so, but let's confirm that for our ardent listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's be accurate. Chaplain. All right. At the start of the battle round. So you actually could not, well, actually, you'd have to already be in position uh, yep. with your chaplain to in pop the power 
So effectively, they'd be on the table already, and then and the guys a, would come in within six. And that's a big difference between the Dark Apostles and the Loyalist one, because even though that that plus one to hit in combat is there, um, or that that extra consolidate that is there to go and surround something, mm-hmm. you're going to have to use that. Uh, you're going to have to be in a, a turn, right? You, yeah, well, so you have to very like in deep strikes. Yeah, you have to already be on the table, and you have to effectively be confident that yeah, this is going to work out whenever you <laughs> choose to do this. Um, because if things go poorly, for instance, if uh, your chaplain pops his power, and then the guys that he was going to use it on, like an interceptor off the table, for instance, that chaplain's now in for a very bad day. Otherwise, um, I, I actually I do really like this codex, and I I, I hope that every other army chaos and thousand suns included gets similar treatment right um but one thing that's funny about this codex is gilliman is not in it yeah but he's going to be in the in the ultramarines, ultramarines. yeah so, yeah so i would imagine that so they, it was they'll do the obvious. same thing for everyone it was pretty obvious the issue that they had with gilliman was he was so good that in mm-hmm. a way he was holding back the art the rest of the army all the other factions mm-hmm. Because essentially everything had to be calculated to assume that, well, what happens when I pair this with Gilliman? And I yeah. think they kind of learned their lesson that giving an aura of reroll hits and wounds is not exactly a very easy thing to balance with. So Correct. I think effectively he- Marines get hit with the Inari problem of because there was this one overperforming unit, everything else suffered. Right. And um, I guess now that he only rerolls ones, and I'm not sure. Um, I haven't looked at the Ultramarines uh, supplement, but I think it only applies to Ultramarines now, rather than. Uh, I believe everything. that is the case. But if it's not, don't don't hate me for it. I just kind of assume that that's probably the same thing. And to be fair, it brings you into line with. Um, Magnus and Mortarian, where it's not like it would be the equivalent of like Magnus giving rerolls to Chaos. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's a little bit overpowered at that point. So, you know, Magnus only giving rerolls to his own Legion, great. But I think it also shows the power creep difference, where I mean, Gilliman is not targetable, and he's buffing your army, and he's cheaper yeah. than Magnus. So, why does Magnus not give the same kind of benefit to his army for being a Primarch, a Demon Primarch, for that matter? Should be able to re-roll psychic tests, re-roll hits, um, and maybe re-roll ones of one for everything yeah. around them, just for being a primarch. So, like that should just be the default primarch rule for for any primarch on the table. You get re-roll hits, re-roll ones to wound. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, um, I guess one thing just uh, before we move on to what was will never be the next segment of this is just a couple of things you'll be seeing a lot of. Because the uh, chapter tactics for the founding chapters are all very good, but uh, the successor chapter tactics, which we've talked about them briefly, um, you'll see a lot of different combinations here as people sort of figure them out because there are some unique combinations. But um, Bolster Fusilade is very good. I don't think you'll see a lot of it because Imperial Fists do it better. But um, the two to really sort of look out for, I think, are Duelists and Whirlwind of Rage. Uh, mostly because Duelist allows infantry and bikers to, whenever they roll a unmodified six to hit, it automatically wounds. And uh, Whirlwind of Rage allows them to, whenever they roll a six to hit, score an additional hit. Um, which luckily those two are 
mutually exclusive. You can't take both. Otherwise that'd be ridiculous. But um, there are a bunch of very good ones in here that I think if you, your opponent builds an army around these, you it will, can very much change the way the army plays, which uh, is fluffy for Marines. They're supposed to be able to sort of adapt to based off their different fighting styles. But like the hungry for battle adds one to advance and charge rolls which we can combine with that earlier chaplain thing for additional plus one. So now you have plus three to your charge rolls. Uh, they can re-roll uh, any roll dice rolls of one with knowledge is power, uh, add three to the range of their guns. The other one, of course, stalwart is excellent and rapid assault is also excellent. You can uh, do not suffer the penalty for advancing and firing assault weapons. I can't really stress enough if your Marine, if the Marine meta does come out of this, reading this codex is going to be very important because knowing what your opponent, which tactics your army has will tell you what they're going to do. And as you all know, knowledge is power. Yeah. And just thinking about the fact that one of the best things you want to do against like Primaris Marines for that matter, you know, getting back to that transhuman physiology stratagem, you can just basically, you know, if it's targeted for an attack, you don't even have to do it at the beginning of the turn, kind of like with demons where you have to warp surge at the beginning of the turn. So you don't know whether they're getting shot or not. But in this case, you can just wait until they're targeted. Yep. And you don't even have to worry about what's targeting them. Um, so there's, there's, a way, there's a way for you to kind of bait it out where if you want to try and – I think one of the strategies you can have is to know what is expensive for your opponent to do from a strategy standpoint. This works really good against uh, like Dark Eldar, where if you want to try and bait them to use their expensive stratagems. And this is probably – I think of anything that's more than one CP as being a good example of something to bait out. Um, an example of this would be I have – uh, a unit of Primaris that they have that are, say, infiltrators, and I need to remove them so that my Zangors can come in and assault. If I target them with something like a autocannon or something like that, or a squad of Havocs or something to that extent, I have the ability to try and bait that out where they, I would normally wound on threes, but for them, two points to say, yeah, you know what? You can only wound me on fours, and that's going to take a whole swath of wounds away. That that can actually help quite a bit because now mm -hmm. you, they've eaten that. Now you can just say, well, I was probably just going to shoot you with my AT, AP2 bolters anyways uh, for my rubric Marines or whatever. Now I can actually dump all that in there. And I don't care that you've got that because it doesn't make a difference to my, I'm always wounding you on a four anyways. So well, previously Marines had like two and a half pages of stratagems. Now they have four. And, but uh, I think that gets back to how they rolled in a lot of the yeah. a lot of the stuff from the the supplements and you know bonus mm -hmm. things that they put out there. There's a lot of that stuff in here. Yeah, but there are a couple of like really mean combos. So Thousand Suns aren't the fastest army in the game, um, and uh, effectively, if your opponent has a Thunderfire cannon, what they can choose to do with it is they can spend one CP for trimmer shells. So what yeah. the stratagem does is they subtract one from their wound rolls, but if any hit rolls are scored, the um, the targeted unit moves at half movement and cannot advance or charge. Oh, and the result of any advanced charge rolls. Sorry, words. Um, which effectively means you move at half speed, which is very bad if you are playing an army that is already slow to begin with. And then they can t spend two more CP to use suppression fire, which allows that Thunderfire cannon to fire twice. And don't forget the fact that 
they still, even though I, I, I don't see them in here, but I believe they still have access to the stratagems from the other, uh, like Vigilist Defiant, where they can, after you've upgraded your veteran intercessors, mm-hmm. um, you can actually uh, use the other um, stratagems. So the one thing I think to really be cautious about is Thousand Sons is when they have um, stalkers. And I think we're going to see more of them for, for two reasons. One, the profile on them and the cost on them uh, makes a squad of 10 intercessors really scary now, um, especially when they have buffs and all sorts of other stuff because two damages, two damage at AP three now, because it's heavy, it'll get an additional AP from the Doctrine to start the round. That's, that's really mean. That's, and that's a lot of shots that you're going to get out of that. So that becomes a problem. But the big thing for us that we have to worry about is the fact that they can spend a CP and those stalkers can now all just take aim at like Aramon and yeah. just mow him down. Yeah. So for three CP, the um, a unit of intercessors with stalker bolt rifles can target characters. And in addition, uh, wound duels of six plus to inflict a mortal wound. In fact, it gives, makes them sniper rifles. Wait a second. So it's three CP? Yes, it's three CP for targeted wow. so for target sighted. Be- that is different. So they obviously increased that because I believe in Vigilist Defiant, that was just one CP to do that. Yeah, but that I, probably goes in line with the fact that, okay, they've increased the profile on that gun. Mm-hmm. I, I can understand them increasing that to three CP, but still, I think most, appoint, uh, most opponents would look at a Thousand Suns army and say, I can, for two CP, three CP, I can kill Aramon? Yeah. Yeah. Basically just makes it a sniper rifle. Sorry to, mm-hmm. sorry to repeat what you said. No, no, it's, it's fine. It's, uh, I'm not going to judge you. <laughs> All right. Uh, one other thing, Mike, I think that's pretty pretty important. Um, null zone. Null zone is uh, yeah. seven for them to get off. And I actually won, I think, two games, or I at least won one game with my librarian uh, this past weekend, just being able to get null zone off. And that came into play where on a seven, I was able to get that to go off, didn't have to re-roll or anything. And man, well, that's... Even more importantly than the seven, though, is the fact that it now affects units within six, not models. Yes, yes exactly. Which, which really helps when you can position him right, as I did, which meant that now I can target pretty much a whole bunch of units that have storm shields, and they effectively don't have storm shields anymore. Mm-hmm. But um, also things to keep watch out for. So intercessors get like so many buffs, oh, stratagems in here. I have to ask Mike though, is that the ice cream man? That is the ice cream man. I hate him. He always comes by at this time of day. <laughs> what are you doing not going and getting ice cream right now? I'm talking to you. What, what, yeah. what are you doing? Come get ice cream. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would totally be there. Like I'm, I'm putting this down. I'm going to get ice cream right now. The ice cream yeah. man here. You betcha. But um, so so there actually there are a couple other things here that I actually am very excited about. Um, So Hammer of Wrath has been returned as a stratagem, um, which sucks for Thousand Suns, but it's awesome for them uh, because uh, effectively any jump pack unit, uh, whenever you they charge, um, for every model Mm -hmm. that gets within the jump pack unit gets within an inch of an enemy unit on a five plus that unit suffers a mortal wound. Yeah. So you have you have like just assault marines that go in and they charge your zangors. They can get they can get in range of say easily a whole bunch of them, especially if you've got your zangors packed in. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're all of a sudden they're just you multiply that by the number of models you get within range of, and yeah. it just absolutely devastates your your good saves and everything. 
Yeah, that's one CP. Another CP is yeah. uh, one point is big guns never tire, which effectively yeah. is a stratagem that Chaos has had forever, but uh, Marines were lacking. But here's here's where I get a little bit upset about that because you know what's not in here? Mm. Linebreaker bombardment and yeah. kill shot. Those are two things that are just not here anymore. And I, I got to ask, like, what's going on with the, the Rhino chassis? So I'm wondering about that, actually. So I actually am wondering if those stratagems will be featured in one of the other supplementary uh, sub, uh, codexes. So maybe mm-hmm. Iron Hands or Imperial Fist will have them. Oh, now that would make sense, where it would become much more Legion-specific in that mm-hmm. case. Yeah. Yeah, that would make that would make sense. And although that would actually get really interesting when you come back to say Iron Iron Warriors, for example, would probably be the counterpart to that, where that would make yeah. sense for them to have that kind mm-hmm. of strategy. Um, and maybe they're looking like if you look at the Iron Hand supplement, now it gets really interesting, or the the chapter tactic, it gets very interesting because all of their vehicles double their wounds. Yeah, and have a feel no pain now, and have a feel no pain, which is. Yeah, that would be annoying to try and get through all that. You're going to smite them? Yep. Great. You're going to be not doing quite as much with uh, smites and everything. So, mm-hmm. But um, Fury of the First, Zex, another good stratagem. It's one CP. Pick a unit of Terminators. They add plus one to hit uh, for a face. Just very solid. Um, Easy way to just counter, counter uh, temper- or the Glamour Zinch. Mm-hmm. Throw that on your Zangors, like, hey, I got my buff Zangors there. I want them to survive. I don't care about that anymore. Yeah. Um, Wisdom of the Ancients is also excellent. Uh, it's one CP. Pick a chapter Dreadnought. Uh, all units within six inches of the Dreadnought reroll ones to hit, Ugh. which affects itself. So take, do that on a Contemptor, and Ugh. now he hits on twos, rerolling, and all of his buddies hit on twos. Ugh, that's disgusting. <laughs> I hope they have uh, something like that for Hellbrutes. Yeah, um, got steady advance, one CP, treat yep. a unit of infantry as if they didn't move for purposes of firing bolter weapons, yeah. um, which, again, just very solid. Skilled rider, it's two CP. You can give a unit of bikes or land speeders a four-up invuln save or a three-up if they advance. A Really a godsend for bikes, and I hope Chaos eventually gets a stratagem like this because currently bikes just kind of die. Yeah, which is I feel like that damn ice cream man is just trolling the hell out of us right now. Yeah, I'm wondering where the hell he is because usually, he, oh, you see the little kitties, they all heard ice cream yeah. man and yeah. they all went and got ice cream. Yeah, and now this just kind of feels like a bad dream right now as we read through these chapter the strategy. Well, somebody suggested that I paint a Slanesh army, and so now the the madness has begun. Yeah, uh, that. Keeper of secrets I put together is staring at me and whispering suggestive things in my ears. I don't know who that is. <laughs> um, but a one CP get a uh, an extra warlord trait. Is yeah, just I, I think that's fantastic, and we're seeing that more and more with a lot of this stuff. Where um, even a vigilus ablaze that you can see them starting to do that with like Black Legion, where you can mm-hmm. actually get a whole bunch of them with Council of Traitors. Yeah, um, but you also get that the ability with like Field Commander to guest in additional warlord traits. You know, those I think that's really good because I feel like those are things that. They're, they're worth putting the stratagems into to help bolster your support in the army for mm-hmm. everything else, um, which can go a long ways towards helping armies that are way behind the power curve. Yep. And my favorite strategist, strategy in this entire codex, I call it the FU stratagem. 
So we talked earlier about how land raiders and repulsors got cheaper. Uh-huh. Well, they also got a stratagem. Oh, For no. two CP, they can choose whenever they die. They can choose to automatically blow up. Don't roll a dice. It just happens. Uh, fire a weapon uh, as if it was a shooting phase or make a co- close combat attack as if it was a fight phase. I don't know why you do that last one considering they generally suck at that. If the knight walks up to you and explodes your land raider, well, enjoy your D6 mortal wounds back. That actually is really good considering the, the, the cheapness of land raiders now. That would be amazing if they give that to world eaters. Well, they're still not Inter- cheap. They're still like almost 300 points, but okay, they, they right. did go down by 20 points. Well, hear me out on this. Let's say you load up your, you got two land raiders, you load up with a bunch of berserkers and you just send them in. The chances of two land raiders being dead in one turn, even with the, like, even if I'm running knights and stuff like that, you still got a pretty good chance of getting at least one of them in there. Um, and especially with the fact that you can actually pop smoke launchers on them if you wanted to, um, and advance them, you know, stuff like that. So if they were to give this to something like world leaders, it would be so amazing. Uh, maybe even do that with like rhinos. That would be even better where you just blow up a rhino for one that would, and that would just feel like world leaders too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, uh, very much a fan of that stratagem. Um, and then (laughs) last, but I guess not least, we, uh, there's the, well, a very important stratagem for this codex. It's called Adaptive Strategy. Uh, effectively allows you to, for one CP, change what the current active doctrine is at the start of the battle round. So effectively, first turn is like, I'm going to get some assaults this, this turn. You could right. change it normally and then use this to change it again straight from uh, Devastator to Assault. Or you're late in the games, like, well, I don't necessarily need assault doctrine anymore. So let's go back to tactical doctrine. <clears throat> and if you remember, there's no way uh, with check with the doctrines they have to go in order. So you can only Correct. progress one per t- one per turn. So the only way for you to get to um, say the third one uh, by the first turn is to spend a CP to make that to make that switch. Correct. So and uh, one thing to keep in mind is you can only use this once per battle. So if I- yeah, your opponent wants to use it, they've lost it. So yep. something to keep in mind. So it almost it, it almost works better as a reset where mm-hmm. um, you know, depending on the situation, okay, I well, I can go to that third um let's say I go into assault. I can go into that third doctrine for the assault and okay, my assault bounces off. Great. Let's let's rewind back to heavy, uh the heavy agent. Well, you can't go directly I, back to heavy. You'd be going back to tactical because it changes. Oh, you can only go step. back one. Uh, okay all right that definitely makes a lot more sense now but in any case i guess you could do that you could assault drop back to your bolter discipline or your bolter Mm -hmm. doctrine again so yeah honestly in the codex they they didn't make all that many changes there are some subtle changes here like that and they introduce some good stuff but a lot that is just taking a lot of the things that have come out in box sets and Mm -hmm. uh, things like Vigilus and, and just packing them all in like the, the, uh, the, the new uh, discipline for um, the Phobos yeah. units, which I cannot tell you how good uh, the Phobos Marines actually are. The, the ability for you to just completely negate your opponent from being able to deep strike and charge is so huge. I mean, they, they single-handedly shut down entire armies like Gene Staler cults, yeah, I mean, they even affect Thousand Suns because Dark Battle Crystal is exactly. no longer good. The uh, Incarn completely shut down. 
Um, you have smash captains. You have a defense against smash captains as well, and they just yeah. they can't make that charge. Um, and what's even better is when now you're pairing them with, say, repulsors, uh, like the the executioner, which has a minus two to your charge against that. So mm-hmm. even if you've got those guys there and they decide, okay, I'm going to bring in my my uh, my smash captain here nine away. Well, great, you're still at minus two to your charge, even if you use something to help you charge. So Correct. it can really help out a lot. Um, but those guys are really annoying. So if you have the option of dealing with the um, the infiltrators early on, you definitely want to target them first if you can. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the 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 way I've seen them use is usually people take at least two squads of them and they use them as screening units, um, which can shoot if they need to, but mostly screening units that guard the flanks um, yeah. to, to basically make it so that you can't get to the really high priority targets in the center. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means they can also become kind of a, a target if you're running that army, um, but it just kind of takes the pressure off of other stuff because you could have a couple of repulsors or something like that coming up the middle and you're going, this is not what I want to be dealing with right now. Yeah. So, um, aside from that, Mike, what other thoughts you got? So my thinking based off what I'm seeing here is that we're going to see a couple of things come out of this codex. One, um, drop pod assault is back. Um, drop pods are like 67 points a pop and they allow you to come down turn one like you're you could literally do an entire army of dudes and drop pods they all arrive turn one completely box in their your opponent and just shoot the ever-living shit out of them with uh yeah. either bolter the uh, tactical doctrine or yeah, depending on the loadout the uh, uh devastator doctrine mm-hmm. um so i think i expect some people are going to try that um, I don't know how well it will work, um, mostly due to some other uh, factors that are currently in the game. For instance, knights, I think, would just walk all over that. Yeah. Um, depending, again, on what the Marines are packing, because they could just do, like, bring back the old uh, Sternguard, like, murder ball of three drop pods with ten Sternguard each with nothing but combi meltas and just, okay, pick a knight. That knight's now dead. Yeah. Um, so, in very powerful option. Um, let's see. I think the we're gonna definitely see people doubling down on the gunline lists with the introduction of the new doctrines, the additional AP. It's better than ever. And now that you're no longer sort of shoehorned into bringing Gilliman, you can bring things like Imperial Fists with their uh, Bolter Discipline or Crimson Fists. Uh, even um, Iron Hands uh, definitely benefits from that style of play with how durable they are. And bringing things, assuming that they do get like the Vindicator and Predator um, stratagems that are missing, it could be a very, very powerful army. Repulsors are excellent with the, the points decrease. And they're able to, you know, transport from air to where they need to go. Right. Uh, one unit we have not talked about, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, is the new transport for Primaris, which, good lord, this thing is good. Like, why? Why do rhinos even exist anymore? Because the impulsor yeah. is almost as cheap as an extra wound. It flies. It has a bunch of ridiculous gun options has the same repulsor field that the other floaty tanks do. So you subtract two from 
um, charge rolls. Uh, after it moves, as long as it does not advance, the units inside can choose to disembark, but they can't charge. But so now you move your guys across the table super fast in the impulsor. They disembark six, move six, and they're right in your face. Then you can use the bolt storm stratagem to automatically hit with their assault uh, bolt rifle, bolt, yeah, whatever they're called, the assault ones. And it's not and, even just a move six getting out. It's actually a move nine because remember you can disembark. Ah, through. Yeah, all right. It you can give it an involuntary save. You can let it bombard people once per game. It's just so good, it, and yeah. at a very reasonable price point too. Yeah, eleven wounds. It's T seven, so it's still got kind of the same um, makeup as the as the Rhino. It's just yeah. it's like yeah. I mean, it's good that Primaris finally have a like cheap transport. Yeah. God damn, this is good. It is really good. Really. Um, So I'd watch out for those. Uh, They can trans. Oh, they only have a transport capacity of six. So they only bring half a squad, whereas the repulsor can bring a full squad. But you know what um, you can fit. You know what you can fit a full squad at six in there. You can, I believe, fit uh, because I think they count as two. you can't defense. even put Gravis in there, um, which is kind of key. <clears throat> yeah, no, so, it's a dedicated intercessor platform or any of the new Phobos Marines. So the, the other thing that I think is really good that, that we're going to see a lot of are aggressors now. Yes. Um, because the aggressors with those bolt storm gauntlets. And I think there's even a case you can make to do some stuff. Holy crud. Yeah. I just realized something you can do with aggressors. Okay. Take aggressors. Advance them across the table. And then you steady advance so that the count is being having st- remain stationary. So that they get to fire twice with their uh, bolt storm gauntlets. Yeah. Yep. That That's part of what's going to make them really ridiculous. And the doctrines apply to them. Um, they're three wound models apiece. They're T5. Um, so they're, they're pretty annoying to deal with. Although I still think with enough shots uh, from like a heavy weapon platform or like Knights, for instance, with their, with their Avenger cannons, um, they'll just mow right through these guys. Um, I guess the thing you can do is this is a really good thing um, that I think you can use the transhuman physiology on where, you know, now the the most you you wouldn't be able to wound on threes. You'd have to wound on fours against these guys. And that really, really makes their sturdiness uh, a little bit higher. Yeah. Now I even think you have a case to be made with the, uh, the flame storm ones too, because if you can, I, I think the delivery mechanism might be one of the challenges, but you got repulsors. Um, oh wait, it's only for bolted. Are. Oh, no, no, that, that is oh, only for bolters. Yeah. So the, the steady advance doesn't work. My, my apologies guys. I'm <laughs> well, you still have um, uh, with assault, 2d6 i mean that's still assault 46 with those things oh yeah sorry assault d6 so it becomes basically assault 2d6 for each one that can be a lot of shots yeah but it's still pretty damn good and i wonder though mike you were saying something about the grenade something on the doctrines there applies to the grenades oh the, the devastator doctrine applies to grenades for some reason yeah so that would apply i believe to the grenade launcher that is a complicated subject. So it would apply to the intercessor auxiliary grenade launcher because it does not change the weapon type from grenade. However, oh. Stardi's grenade launcher is not a grenade weapon. It's a, an assault weapon, as I recall. It is assault D6. All right, thanks for clarifying that. That makes sense. Because I know they have, the, they have the thing in there where they, they clarify what a bolt weapon is and yeah. things like anything that basically has the bolter 
um, or bolt in the in the keyword more or in the name of the weapon. So like mm-hmm. your stalker bolt rifle or your the heavy bolter, you know, things like storm bolter, all of that stuff. It just groups yeah. all of that together. Um, and I guess it's one of those things where they don't have keywords on the weapons. They're just basically trying to say, look, all of these things, here you go. And rather than have to list them out specifically, they don't have to worry about not being able to design new additions later and and not have them fall into that category. Correct. Like And having to rewrite that list of what it applies to. Yeah. So, so uh, one unit they got a buff. I don't think you'll see them played most because I don't think anyone likes them anymore. The uh, scout bikes actually got buffed here <laughs> in this, good this stupid way. So uh, scout bikes now has their bike comes with either a twin bolter or a Astartes grenade launcher. In addition, <laughs> they also have an Astartes shotgun, and I believe they also have a close combat weapon. All right, a chain sword or what have you. And they're super cheap, aren't they? They're like... Oh, yeah. So they're super... They're 23 points. And cheap. so they come with the following. An Astarte shotgun, a bolt pistol, a twin bolt gun, a combat knife, and frag and crack grenades. So they're really good at... Um, and they turbo boost. And they turbo boost, and they're good in assault. I, I think we actually might see people play these in white scars. Yeah, um, because of how many shots they get. Yeah, and you would definitely take these over the regular bikers, right? Uh, it depends. So the regular bikers can bring things like melta guns, and they have better armor. Who but, needs that? Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. they come with a, uh, a bolt pistol, a twin bolt gun, frag and crack. But then they can also purchase, Upgrader. in addition to those, uh, two special weapons, and the sergeant gets normal sergeant stuff. Yeah. Uh, so it's sort of debatable. I would say the scout bikes are better against infantry, whereas regular bike squads are better versus more specialized targets. But they still have the same problem that Chaos Space Marine bikers have in that they don't do anything in combat at all. So Correct. Run them scout around. bikes are actually better in close combat because they of the are. combat weapons. And you basically run them around. At, you know, you're turbo boosting all over the place. And something like white scars where you can advance and charge that becomes kind of a big deal. So help take the scout bikes. They're cheaper and better. <laughs> and unfortunately hammer of wrath does not apply to bikes for some reason. Yeah. Um, though maybe white scars get something that helps that I, I have not looked at their supplement. Yep. But other than that, I think, I think that probably hits a lot of the main things we'll probably see. Yeah. So I uh, might see some people do some tricks with um, the, the chapter tactics mm-hmm. uh, or the successor tactics. This is what I was alluding to earlier, where there's some, some gimmicky things where you can extend the range of weapons. So for example, for instance, your flamer aggressors, if you, if you get them somehow on the field, um, you can essentially get a ton of flamer shots out of them um, yeah. and, and do that with just an increase of range. So if you have the ability to somehow get them in via deep strike or whatever, if one of the supplements gives them the ability to do that, um, you can get them in nine inches away and just flame the crap out of something. Huh? That's actually really interesting. So um, <clears throat> the uh, plus three range to weapons yep. also applies to your vehicles again. So uh, the flamestorm yep. cannon on the land Raider redeemer suddenly becomes a very powerful option because it has 15-inch range Flamestorm cannons. Now you so, got 18-inch range? Or... No, 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 it has 12 normally, so it's 15 got it. after the, the change. And those are strength 6, AP minus 2 damage to Flamers. You got two of them. Yeah. 
of all the chap the successor tactics, I think that's the one we'll if people go to use those, I think that's the one we'll we'll see a lot because it's it's yeah, got it, a lot of utility. And it's just very it's a very versatile tactic, sort of almost universally helpful. Right. I mean how it increases the range of your thrown grenades. <laughs> <laughs> so now you have seven inch range melt bomb boys. <laughs> that is awesome. Still not quite nine because all right, get the melt yeah. bomb. They're running at us. <laughs> what else do we got have we covered everything out of this i mean i think we've covered the broad strokes the thing is this codex is to be frank has so many options it's almost as thick as the freaking core rule book yeah um that it'd be almost impossible to go over every different iteration i mean effectively uh, the only thing I can we can really do is just like guys you have to if you're gonna be playing competitive at the very least you need to be familiar with this book um, because there's so many different options here and being familiar with this even the broad strokes will help you a lot to be able to pick six like, good targets and be able to play adaptively to whatever it is your space brain opponent is doing um, because just because they're space brains doesn't mean they all work the same now yep I guess it fills into the um, the whole codex and supplement model that you know we've we've kind of talked to death about. In- yeah, which uh, again, I'm I will be happy if they do that. Yeah, because it, the that way, if a codex gets updated, everyone who cribs off that codex gets all the updates at the same time, as opposed to having to wait for erratas or wait however long in the uh, old codex model actually sort of hamstrung gw quite a bit because you had to worry about well if we update this here what does it mean for the other guys who have the same unit yep um so i I think this is a step in the right direction i do think that they might have overdone it on making marines viable again but i will say i mean we'll find out pretty quickly with uh, the competitive events right yeah we show up and everybody's got, I mean, I expect just naturally based on the fact that here's a bunch of new toys, whether those toys are good or bad, doesn't matter. You would see a lot of people just increasingly show up with their Marines based on the mm-hmm. fact that, Hey, I've got lots of new toys for my Marines. So oh, I don't know my, uh, all of my um, research on it has shown that every tournament I've seen played has had a lot of Marine players. I mean, <laughs> Uh, it would bode really well for thousand sons because i think thousand sons are one of the armies that are just they're i think when you look at them they're designed to kill regular yeah. space marines i mean, I mean the, or not. Yeah, the ap on the thousand sons plus the amount of psychic abilities that they have at their disposal does make them very well predisposed towards killing marines yep. the the question becomes i guess do the new toys that Marine have at their disposal sort of level the playing field there? And right. I, I think it's we're going to have to wait and see. I mean, effectively, Thousand Suns still get a two-up save if they're in cover against anything other than the Stalker bolt rifles. Right. That, that's why I think the Stalker is the one to be worried about because it's two yeah. damage, so you're not going to get all his dust. It's going to mm-hmm. put you on your invuln save for pretty much everything, so they're just pretty much going to mow stuff down. I guess... To a good extent, you're not too worried about the two damage, except if they start shooting like your Demon Princes and Aramon and stuff like that. But there's enough shots there that it's something to work, worry about. So, yeah. All right. So, with that, once a month, we've decided we do a uh, community QA session. 
Oh Lord, is it that time of the month already? It's that time of the month already for you. Um, Uh-oh. Yeah, so uh, we're gonna, if you're not familiar with this, what you basically can do is you can uh, jump onto our Discord server. Uh, we have a dedicated channel for the podcast itself where you can talk to us, you can ask questions, you can even throw us some info that you wanna see for the next coming podcast. What we typically do once a month is we just field your questions when we get ready to have one of these. Um, so this week we have put the request out and y'all have done a great job responding. Um, we don't have quite the quantity that we had in our last time through this, but I think the quality is, is definitely up there. So uh, Hyperreal, uh, one of our uh, Conclave members asks, what are your hopes and fears of the psychic awakening and what would you like to see in Chapter Approved 2019? And that's something we haven't talked about too much, Mike, uh, is uh, the psychic awakening that's coming. Yeah, I mean, we've only had the one teaser video, as far as I'm aware. Um, however, that was, I, I actually very much like the uh, Games Workshop marketing at the moment. Uh, very <laughs> feels very engaging, I suppose. But um, my hopes for Psychic Awakening is that it, broadens the psychic army's ability to sort of function. Uh, so for instance, uh, an example, um, back in sixth and seventh edition, everyone had access to a sort of core suite of powers and then they had their own special stuff. Um, and so I'm hoping that in some way, it, I, and I think they've confirmed this, that it gives something to everyone. However, it very much focuses on sort of supplementing some of the psychic armies so that there are more interesting things to do every turn than, all right, and I applied 10 billion buffs to my Dark Reapers and they delete your unit, or I spite, I spite, I spite, I spite. Do you think it's something like endless spells? I mean, so something that's happened to Thousand Suns before in particular, uh, it could be. Um, especially because there are already armies out there, demons notably are the ones that this is true of, that already have endless spells. Um, just they're afraid of Sigmar. And so that could be what happens. Um, and uh, having never actually dealt with endless spells myself, I don't know personally whether they were a good or bad thing. I know for a while they were very in vogue, and then the recent tournaments I've gone to for Age of Sigmar not played in, but just observed. Um, I didn't see a ton of people bringing them um, because effectively it works a lot like somebody does in Age of Sigmar where you have to sort of bank some points ahead of time so that you can put this sort of temporary but sort of permanent effect on the table that runs around and does stuff. So I, that would be cool. Um, though I, I actually, just from a personal perspective wouldn't be a huge fan of that uh just because it just means that one more thing i have to carry around whenever i want to go play games with my psychic armies um and i'm i don't like having to carry sort of stuff that i might use this i gotcha well the second part of this question was what do you want to see in chapter approved 2019 this would be a good one for us to dig into here oh yeah that's a very good question because because it's coming up here shortly it is it's gonna be here before we know it yeah uh if you want to lead into this one i've I'll let you take charge i most fair enough awakening one fair enough so for chapter approved for me i I kind of led a pretty big campaign on our on our subreddit for 
the survey that they did earlier this year. And, and they, they basically asked a bunch of questions and they also left room for you to add comments and suggestions for how to improve the game. And I saw that as a good opportunity to try and collectively get everybody together like our wish list and then make it easy for us to just copy paste that wish list over for, for GW. So I'm hoping that a bunch of you were able to kind of help out and take all these things that we've been really looking for and help really push these things so that in volume, they're hearing from Thousand Suns players that, hey, these are the things we really want to see. Just speaking on what I know, what I think a lot of people would like to see versus what I think we're actually going to see um, and what my own personal opinions are. So what I think, let's start what I think we're going to see. I don't think we're going to see very much for Thousand Suns. I think the reality is the next time we get stuff will be in a supplement of some kind. Um, that supplement is probably, I think it would be hard to see that coming for Christmas. That would have to get announced. Supplements for chaos would have to get announced here in the next month or so. But if, if that was going to make it out in time for Christmas. Yeah. Um, so I think the earliest we're going to see that is next year which means right around this time is when chapter approved tends to be hitting the presses, um, knowing how they actually go through their, their cycle for books. And basically what you have to do is you have to figure how many books need to be printed, which backs up their schedule to a certain point, which means they need to have things done and ready to print at a certain time, which backs up the schedule even more. And essentially what happens is they need to be almost print ready on a lot of this stuff by about, this time frame, around right around about the September time frame, mm -hmm. um, and a good example of this is last year. Uh, from what I understood, is there were guys that did a battle report that came into a white dwarf that were that was played with the new chapter approved setting or chapter approved rules that we got last year. That game was played in about this time, about the same time frame, which we're sitting right around end of August, beginning of September, that time frame. So. I think at this point, they know what's going to be in chapter approved. If I were to look across the landscape, I think there are probably going to be some broader point changes, as they always do. Um, they're probably going to target the things that are kind of the noisy nails or the, 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 the biggest nail, tallest nail sticking up. Um, I think Lord Discordance, unfortunately, are probably going to get that. I hear from a lot of folks that they, they, they see a discrepancy between the cost of a Lord Discordant and the cost of a Demon Prince. And the output you get from a Lord Discordant is just not even comparable. I mean, you just get so much more out of it. And I think folks are going to look at those two things and kind of say, you know what, it should at least cost the price of a Demon Prince. The Demon Prince can fly, so maybe you don't get the same output, but it can fly and it can target that stuff. I, I think those are the kind of things we'll see. The other thing I think to be leery of, Plague Bearers. Um, I think one of the things we see competitively uh, is that almost every chaos list that does very, very well at a tournament, uh, a big competitive tournament, um, especially like the top three or four guys that are playing chaos very, very well competitively, like um, TJ Lanigan, um, uh, Jim Vessel, those guys, uh, their list always have plague bearers in them. And there's a reason they're minus, you can basically make a minus two to hit. They're super durable. I think I'd be, if I was banking on that for next year, I'd be leery because I think they're going to do something. They, they've kind of set the tone now in this book uh, with things like Raven Guard. I think the tone is there, especially with Alpha Legion as well. I think I would be leery about those minus one hits uh, traits and abilities being something they phase out of the game. 
um, where that's not necessarily as strong and prevalent next year as we see. The more they take out, however, the more I start to think that the stuff that does have that becomes a little bit more targetable and people will try to take advantage of those things. So if there are things um, that do survive having minus to hit buffs after the, the wave of chapter approved, I would be, if I'm reading the tea leaves, I'd be looking to see, okay, if something survived, that's the stuff people are going to try and make work competitively, whether they can or whether it's just too expensive. We, we have no idea at this point, but I think that's probably what we're likely to see. What I want to see is I would really like them to, to produce, just basically add a, just a one-liner in the FAQ for Thousand Sons that says, um, add this to the Hellbrute that it can become a psyker. Just make it a psyker in Thousand Sons uh, detachments. Um, another thing, uh, we need to get the, the Contemptors, uh, the Osirian pattern Contemptors, should be a thing in the chaos space or the thousand suns codex i've, I've kind of covered this in previous podcasts the that magnus knows how to build them he was the designer of them so he knows he knows he has the knowledge there to be able to produce those things and how to you know how to reproduce them if he needed to um especially with you know zinch magic and everything i i, I think it's more than easy to explain them being able to produce those things way, way better than say the other legions being able to use their relics, um, where I think that would fit really, really well into the legion. And other than that, I, I think maybe some things around the land raiders and the demon engines and things like that, where a thousand sons and death guard have become very stale in that area where they don't have access to the Lord discord. They don't have a way to really boost those things in mass. Um, so I can take three or four of them but what am I going to do? I can only buff one of them. Give us something in there with those things. Maybe give them plus one to their invuln saves or something for being Thousand Suns to make them kind of zinchy. Um, something to kind of, it, it's not overpowering, but it makes them a little, it's kind of like their way of getting a Lord Discordant or a buff in some way. And then the last thing is uh, they have to do something with the, the units that were designed pre-Rule of Three. That's one of the detriments to our codex is it came out before they introduced the rule of three, which means the design of a lot of the units, Zangor and Lighten being one of them, doesn't take into account the fact that you can only take three units of them, which means the most I can possibly field are what, 27 Zangor and Lighten on the field, which at the price point, they're great and you can buff them and 27 and Lighten are great. It's not enough given the given the fact that you you need more of them to offset their fred their fragility um and to really get the output of them otherwise they just completely melt when when hit with any kind of semi-competent firepower so other than that the only other thing i think um that would be helpful is to maybe tweak some of the stratagems like the infernal bolter stratagem yeah. um maybe the um the silver tower stratagem where you can actually bring a beam down, make that maybe a little bit more useful or like two CP or maybe make it, you know, something where that's an exalted sorcerer can do that for, for three CP and you just, you can do it once, once per phase or once per turn or something like that. So um, I, I think that's probably something that would be, be welcomed, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. How about you, Mike? What do you want to see? <clears throat> I mean, Personally, what I'm moving forward with the new chapter approved is one thing that they've done in previous chapter approves is give rules for things that 
<clears throat> haven't gotten a codex yet because either they're a small army or they are still working on it in the case of sisters. And so I'm hoping that the uh, inquisition and sisters of silence, as much as silence are dirty pariahs, we don't like them. Uh, it would be nice to see them actually get rules that make them relevant again. Um, Cause you saw, I, I made a joke list revolver, not inquisition and sisters of silence. And I wound up taking things sort of, as a knee-jerk reaction because like, oh yeah, I mean, you should take a battalion here, a thing here. It's like, wait a second, why do we even care about command points? Neither of these armies have stratagems. They, uh, they have nothing. There's literally no reason to ever take them, which is kind of a shame because they're, at least with the Inquisition, they're such a sort of classic part of the game that it, it feels very odd to me that they've gotten zero support since the, code, the edition came out. Um, in addition, I, I hope that they tweak the rules of things. Lower Discordant, obviously, as you mentioned, needs some tweaking, I think. Um, <clears throat> I'm hoping that some of the armies that were overperforming previously but have gotten updates since then that have pretty much kicked them in the jimmy, uh, see Craftworld Eldar, are tweaked to bring them a sort of in line with how they currently are versus how they were whenever they had access to things like Inari, um, because that kind of hurts at the moment. Um, otherwise, though, my, my personal favorite thing about Chapter Approved is the... Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what comes in the open play and narrative sections, because the rules for the sort of <clears throat> stuff that nobody really ever gets to use are actually my favorite part of the game, um, because you can... In the previous chapter, for instance, you can make your own characters. Like, yeah, my guy has done these three things, and he's learned to do this stuff from it. Um, you can take units throughout a campaign and give them special rules. Um, there were rules for designing your own vehicles um, in one of the chapter approved. Those were pretty cool. Um, and so I'm hoping that we get, as much as the the competitive crunch needs some adjustment, and they've I'm hoping they do a good job of that. I'm, I'm looking forward to the other two sections a little more. Um, also, I hope all knights just have a rule where on a four plus they explode. I'm still not happy with knights. Uh, as much as it's good that now both sides of the chaos imperial have knights, for those of us who don't have knights or knight-like things that are worth a damn, it kind of sucks. Now you mean that in terms of as an opponent, Yes. You want to just roll a four up and have it die. I, I do. I, yeah, I can understand that. My face hurts. Yeah. All right. But um, that, that's kind of, we went sort of long-winded on that one. That's a good um, question, though. It is a very, well, it's two very solid questions. Um, and or I'm looking forward to seeing how close to correct we are. Yeah. All right. Uh, how maybe, well... maybe on that point, Mike, we should do a prediction episode coming up at the fall before chapter approved comes oh, out. Boy. Prediction episode on what we think is actually coming. I don't know. I don't. That, I thought that's what we always did, anyways. We just sort of made things up and sort of to see if it sticks. Sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, best fifteen, Alex. How well do the new Chaos Knights play with the Dust Boys? Solo Knight or Full Lance? Well, I will say that I think Chaos Knights actually play pretty well with them because of how much utility you can actually get out of the Chaos Knights now 
Um, I think they're as good in the meta right now with as many knights as there are, I think they're better than demons um, because knights have an answer to everything. Uh, you can basically stomp hordes uh, or you can just shoot your way through whatever else you want to fire at. They're mm-hmm. good against vehicles. They're good against knights. They're good against everything, um, which is kind of the best way to spend your points. If you're building a list, if you can just say, hey, look, all all 1,200 or 1,300 points of my army uh, that I have put in so far can deal with everything, that's a really, really hard thing that other armies can't do. Because you have, like, Rubric Marines are good against other infantry, but are they good against, like, tanks and stuff like that? Yeah, kind of, but not really. Um, So I think they are very good. Now, the really key question I like about this is, do I take one knight or do I take a full three knights with thousand sons. The way I look at that is if you're taking three knights, I'm taking, I'm taking knights with thousand sons tagging along. Whereas if I take a single knight, I'm taking thousand sons with a knight coming along. I think the best, I think we talked about this in our previous, previous episode. There's two options I would really run if I'm playing thousand sons and I want a knight. I would take a single knight, and I would either take it in the Crusader loadout, I would t- take a despoiler with a Crusader loadout, which is the Avenger Gatling Cannon and the Rapid Fire Battle Cannon. And then I would also take the Iron Storm Missile Pod on there. Uh, I would probably not spend the points to put the Melta on there, but that is probably what I would take. And I would take advantage of Dreadblade and other rules that are on there. I would probably run him as Infernus uh, so that I can make him T9 and then just you know, use that as like a really good backfield firebase so that you can like load up on Zangors and other things to just put right in your opponent's face. Um, the other option you have for that is the Rampager, which can basically just run forward. You can advance, you can charge. Um, you can't really do anything with your spells or anything with that on your on your knights, and there's no way to really give them keywords where things like a Mutalith Vortex Beast can't target it. Um, so I think the better option there is to just... Choose, choose the best thing that on its own can really complement your army rather than worrying about just like really loading the box on those things. Yeah, and the other thing about the Crusader variant uh, is very important. It's the fact that, well, really either knight, but I think the Crusader does it better, is you can give it the Warlord trait to make it count as 10 dudes. Yeah. Um, so that way you can just park it on an objective. That is now your objective until they kill the knight. All right, so Zod1888 asks... Five questions, and Zod, we are gonna we're gonna honor your five questions here. So, the first question: What do you think GW will do to bring Thousand Sons to the table as anything but a Supreme Command detachment? I really like that question. All right, so I I, I have a couple things I think would go a long way towards making Thousand Sons relevant as something beyond a Supreme Command detachment. One, much like our um, brothers the slave to the false god we need to have our the legion trait adjusted plus six to casting range is great um it will catch people by surprise they don't really think about it and it's surprising how much work you can get out of that extra six inches um however that really only affects the supreme supreme command detachment then rubrics get a small bonus out of it and the terminators get a small bonus out of it but it's not enough 
Um, personally, what I hope they do is they provide some other small bonus. I, I don't really have a good idea as for what, but the other thing is that you non psyker units in a thousand sons detachment get plus one to their influence saves. If they don't have an influence save at all, they get a six up influence save. Uh, that used to be what Mark of Zinch did was it add one to your influence save. So for instance, vehicles would get a six up the, um, Demon engines would get a four up. The e- cultists would get a six up, um, which as much as, oh no, a six up won't save. When you keep in mind the fact that they only have a six up save to begin with, actually goes a long way towards making them not die in a fire when you just yeah. sneeze at them. Um, I, would probably, I would probably echo that, Mike, myself. And I would, I would say in addition to that, the way I would do that trait would be just, if you don't have one, you get a five up embalm. Um, if you do have one, you get plus one to your invuln, uh to a maximum of four. And cultists don't count. Cultists don't get it. So uh, cultists actually, don't get it. Something like that. So. Well, Zingo's already have a five up, so it doesn't really matter. Um, I actually would be leery of the five up invuln save, mostly because it cribs in a little too hard on the invuln saves on the uh, rubrics and the terminators. Um, the the six up helps Zengors, which granted they already have a five up. So do we really need to give them a four up natively? So they would probably would be immune to it too, I guess. But um, I, six up is just enough that it's going to count a lot of the time without being too good. Um, because again, a five up invul save is fantastic. Other and, than that, any other other ideas we could do to. Um, so I think don't have to bring a supreme command. Yeah, giving Thousand Sons additional options uh, is the other thing, because yeah. at the moment the other the, the other half of the problem is that Thousand Sons don't have options. You have like the couple of things in your elite slot. You have two things in your fast attack slot. You have three options for your troops, but really it's it's only like two and a half options because the cultists even count anymore. No. And then our entire heavy support section, as much as technically it's almost as good as Chaos Space Brains, saying that sort of facetiously, there's no support for it. Why would you take half of the junk in there? The, the army doesn't really benefit from it unless it's a forgeable, like the Scorpius. This is fantastic. But the, there's no reason to take the other things. And the Mutalith, for that matter, just can get shot off the table so easily. I and- mean, I. I don't mind the Mutalith being sort of squishy. The The main thing, though, is that the Mutalith is completely just random. And the units that it designed to help, it has issues helping them because of it. It doesn't even need to really... I guess it doesn't do very much to really help them, if you think yeah. about it. Other than, like, re-rolling your charge, well... Why spend all the points to bring that unit when I can just use Gaze of Fate and a command reroll? Mm-hmm. Um, so I I like the Mutalith from a purely conceptual level, but currently it's sort of iffy as to whether it's actually very good. Yeah. The and like I said, the entire heavy support section is just it's yeah. not quite adequate. I don't want to say it's garbage because that that's a very strong language, and I like the filers, but um. I, I run into the issue of 
there's no support for it. And currently, because we don't have Lord Discordance, Chaos does all of that so much better. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt, the, the Captain Obvious answer is there the other units need to be brought up to par with the power the power level right now in the rest of the game. Everybody else is getting massive amounts of AP and our lowly Scarabacult cult terminators now, when you look at them, nah. Yeah, they, they can't keep up because you can get two point storm shields on yeah. a ton of stuff. And it's like you don't lose anything anymore because it used to be exactly. if you took a storm shield you lost an extra attack which is kind of a big deal and i was just like nope i just i have storm shield i still got my bonus stack if i have a weapon that gives that yep because so i think opening up options and giving thousand suns options is what will give them the ability to exist beyond the sort of obligatory supreme command detachment uh, making giving magnus some survival mechanism Oh yeah, that, um, I think that's I think that's definitely in in terms of priorities. I think that's probably priority one right now. I mean, Mag- at least Mortarian has the stupid bodyguards. Yeah, yeah, he, you can do something right now. Mag- the problem with Magnus is you can't play him. He literally can be just tabled, turn one, and half that, that's a quarter of your army gone. And the rest of your army, if you're if you're thinking that it relies on him, that just isn't going to be reliable enough. I mean, mm-hmm. you're going to, you're going to lose that. So I think he getting him up to par would be priority number one. Yeah. So, so we could whinge about the things we want for thousand sons all day. But however, the next question I think is kind of amusing to me. Um, did Tigarius hurt your soul as much as Zod one eight, eight, eight? I have no idea. I so Tigarius got some buffs um mostly he's a primaris marine now which gives oh him yeah and his staff or his helmet something lets him re-roll um his dice to cast powers and i think he also gets a bonus making him sort of on par with aramon in terms of his ability to just psychic all over things yeah um so he's good um i would say that for what tigerius is supposed to be um them bringing him up to that sort of level of power is kind of appropriate and so as much as yeah we're supposed to be the best psychic army and Tigarius is as almost as good as our best or second best psyker i suppose um it's fine he's uh like the fluff written about that dude is so ridiculous that the fact that he didn't have all those things before was sort of unusual i suppose yeah i would agree with that I don't think it's I don't think it's game breaking. It's not like they gave that to every psyker they have. They just basically gave them one that's really really good. So, mm-hmm. uh, do you think Thousand Suns and Zinch Demons should share a codex, providing various bonuses and detriments based on mono and mixed armies? So if I'm if I'm reading that question right, do you think they should produce it in a way that there's better synergies? Um, to if I only take a Zinch army, should there be some bonus for that? So I'm going to go with a, a very Zinchian answer here and say yes and no. So effectively, I think that Thousand Suns and Zinch demons, or really Marines and demons, should retain individual codexes um, because as much as they do share the, their keywords for the respective legions and their demon allies, they operate very differently from each other. Um, so the, them being sort of an ally uh, is much more appropriate. However, 
I would be very much on board for there being specialty deta- special detachment rules for bringing like monos each or monocorn. Um, the idea being that, well, maybe you don't get the Thousand Suns Legion trait, but now because you're all you're bringing mono zinch, you like get every roll or something every turn or some shit. I, I think that would go a long ways towards, as much as it do, adds an extra army list that people can bring, It it's a very fluffy thing you can do. And it's not a bad thing to have options. Um, as long as those options are well considered. Yeah, I think that's really well said. I, I would love to see some more push to give the armies that are that are set up to run mono mono. Uh, I don't want to say mono codex, but more mono faction in a way, like mono zinch or mono chaos god, basically. I, th- I think it would be beneficial to have some kind of bonus there like that, that if every army is in your unit, there is, or in your army is that meets that criteria that you do get some kind of bonus for that. So long as it's not something that breaks the game. So, you know, that is so overly powerful that it wasn't thought through. Um, oh man. What if every, if you had uh, all each stuff, everyone got demonic locus. That'd be cool. That would be really cool, actually. Um, and very, I mean, I think that would be perfectly fine. I don't think anybody would really say every Zinch unit gets a, you know, some kind of bonus in close combat like that, even Zangors for that matter. I think, you know, when you look at the AP that's out there right now and the amount of shots that are out there and the, the fact that Zangors just are not what they were in early 8th edition, where they were very good, I uh, now I, I don't think that would be that big of a problem. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, what do you think our Legion trait will look like uh, or our new Legion trait will look like? I guess he's might be thinking that we're headed towards uh, a supplement redo. And if that's the case, I think we kind of touched on that earlier when we were talking about Supreme commands and the fact that, Hey, the rest of the army has to get buffed. Uh, Yeah. But I mean, I think we sort of went over the, the basics of effectively, the what I see coming out of it would be the so retain the plus six range. Actually, that's our primary rule, and then actually cribbing off of the Space Marine supplement. Uh, well, the rules that just came out. Uh, the they have a thing. The knowledge is power, um, which is uh, one of the successor, successor chapter tactics. Um, that when a psychic. Uh, Test deny the witch test is taken for a psyker model with this tactic. Reroll any or all dice of one. That would make a very good addition to the Thousand Suns uh, Legion trait. Plus the invuln save thing we were talking about before. I think that would put Thousand Suns in a very solid position in terms of being a very sort of psychic dominant army that also has a bit of that sort of classic Dusty Boy survivability baked in. I think that would be a great upgrade. I think being able to reroll ones on tests um, is not going to be super gang breaking, but it would make them still look, we are the Psyker army. Let's not get confused with anybody else, even Eldar. These guys are the Psykers in the game. Um, Although that does segue a little bit into his next question, uh, which is what do you think will be, what do you think we should have instead of reroll ones on our exalted sorcerers and Aramons? I actually have the perfect answer to this. The way I look at this is Aramon should be comparable to chapter masters. 
Yes. Is he should have reroll all failed hits because he essentially is the chapter master of the Thousand Sons. So everything mm-hmm. within six should be, you know, reroll failed hits. The fact that now in the new Chaos Space Marine, or, or the, sorry, the new code, regular Loyalist Space Marine Codex, for one command point, you can make one of your guys a chapter master to reroll failed hits. Just give him that for one CP. Um, I think throwing that on Aramon would not be broken. I think giving the, when you remember that the exalted sorcerers are kind of a combination of a chaos Lord and a sorcerer combined, I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, with that, with the way they are, I think it's Aramon who actually should be elevated a little bit, even if he costs maybe five more points or so for that aura change. Um, I think that that really should be there. And then on top of that, I think Magnus should definitely get factored into that as well. And if you were to take your suggestion on the Legion trait, uh, where now you reroll ones and psychic tests and deny the witch, Magnus should basically give you reroll failed hits and reroll ones to wound to Thousand Suns units. Mm, effectively bring him in line with where Gilliman is at. Yep. That's what I think. And yeah. his psychic st- stat sheet the same. Um, you can you can even take away his aura that gives that reroll ones to psychic tests mm-hmm. because now you've got it in the Legion trait. Yeah. Or alternatively, uh, bring back the rerolling ones on saves. Um, now, I do think the Thousand Suns, one thing in, in that line, they could use another HQ unit of some kind where they reroll <laughs> ones to wounds, something like Senate. Yes. I was actually just about to circle back to that being something that the army is distinctly lacking yeah. is that type of support unit. Yeah. And very little support and psychic powers too for mm-hmm. that. Right. We get plus one to wound from veterans of the long war, but limited what that can go towards. Yeah. So, um, the thing the army really needs is a little bit more support. I think in the long range shooting area, because mm-hmm. the army is, the infantry, the the core of the army should be able to get up close, but that doesn't meet. A thousand Suns are not one dimensional in the fluff, so they shouldn't be one dimensional on the table. Yeah. All right. Um, Arokel US. I assume that's how you pronounce that. You guys mentioned the possibility of Thousand Suns being rolled back into Codex Heretic Astartes via the supplement format on the last podcast. How would the Thousand Suns maintain their unique identity outside of extensive and expensive kit bashing if they are integrated into Vanilla Case Marine ecosystem and given access to units like Chaos Space Marines, Havocs, and Raptors? All right. Well, that's a bit of a complicated question. And, um, I uh, have an answer for you that uh, you might or might not like. Uh, Personally, uh, what I see them doing, if they do roll them back into a Codex Astartes, into the Heretic Codex Astartes, but be in a supplement format, is all the Loyalist chapters have an upgrade kit. So the White Scars upgrade kit, the Ultramarines upgrade kit, all that. So, as opposed, uh, imagine what they would do in the case where they do roll out the supplement format is that they would obviously retain the current model range because those are all fairly new. They sell well. They look beautiful. And then they would provide an upgrade kit with just enough guys, uh, bits, helmets, shoulder pads, weapons, etc., to allow you to upgrade your other 
Chaos Space Marine units into a Thousand Suns unit. I mean, you currently have to do that already with our vehicles. So, for instance, if you want to have the Rhino with the gunner sticking out the top, you have to borrow a Thousand Suns head to put on the guy. If not even like the, if you want to give him shoulder pads, you have to borrow those. And so, as for the unique identity, the thing is, every Chaos Warband is different even among Thousand Suns. So like, for instance, back when I started Thousand Suns, I, um, obviously my chief, like the, the leader of my warband was a Thousand Suns uh, Sorcerer Lord and Terminator armor. But like, so I had a Chaos Lord who I modeled up so that it looked like he was this fire coming out of his eyes. And the idea was that there was this poor bastard, really, that my uh, Terminator Lord had, effectively stolen his soul and was using that to make him do things. And the thing that, how that worked though, is that, so he, the, the Terminator Lord had access to different war gear than the Sorcerer Lord. So he had a better invuln save. He was better in close combat. And that sort of circles back around to the uh, question about the Legion trait where one thing that they could do is the Legion trait could still buff Psychers, but have it give something, like a, a benefit to bringing the non-Psychic units um, would make that work much better than it would currently. Um, obviously, Thousand Suns Havocs, for instance, would be a godsend, um, especially if they changed the um, Inferno Bolter strategy so it affected all, of, all Bolter weapons on a given unit. So now you have Havocs with AP minus two heavy bolters, for instance. Uh, Raptors and Warp Talons serve, well, function very well as support units because they're very maneuverable. They can deep strike in. Warp Talons, they, they prevent Overwatch so that they come in, charge into a unit, and now your Zangors can charge in scot-free, don't have to worry about Overwatch, just they're in. Um, and so generally, as much as, if you look at it like, if you were to copy and paste everything directly into from thousand suns into the haircut studies, it doesn't feature very well, but if you look at it from a, I guess the way the older editions did it, it actually still makes a lot of sense, at least from the way I look at it. And I, I've really more options is good is my biggest thing, especially at the moment is the, the more options you have, the more ability you have to react to what you're going to be playing against and also give you the ability to really customize your army. Um, because at the moment, how many different iterations of a Thousand Suns army can we really put out? And I, I, I think the Warp Talon suggestion is a really good one because I think that's, I think one of the things you run into that probably the designers for the Thousand Suns Codex ran into was how can you explain that unit being part of a thousand suns army? Um, and with things like Raptors or Havocs, you have this notion of, well, they're not rubric Marines. Right. And so supposedly the legions non psyker you know, non psyker Marines are now all rubric Marines. I don't think that means you can't have heavy weapon squads. I think that kind of alludes to, Hey, you can have, you can have Havocs, um, you can have Raptors, but they're, why would you not have like a um, aspiring sorcerer as a Raptor Sergeant? And then mm -hmm. he just has Raptor rubric Marines that, okay, just give them the same kind of treatment where they can't quite move as fast as regular Raptors. And, you know, they can, they basically can 
function the same way rubric marines would, but just in a different role. I do think though that if that's a little hard to explain, then you at least have the notion of warp talents being demons um, and that they can, um, them and possibly even possessed for that matter, being zinch demons rather than actual space marines as a part of the Legion. They're, they're more or less demons that have been you know, brought in where I guess with the demon engines, you kind of have the same thing. Um, so at least with warp talons, you could have zinch demon warp talons or zinch demon possessed warp talons that could get in there and they they fit the army really well especially how like how you mentioned how you can get in take away overwatch and then let your zangors get in there and do their thing so yeah all right well next question we have up mike on a more fun optimistic note hey hey, we, hey you're skipping a line that's not a question that's not a question. question however we need to we need to pay our respects Alzarium, we're glad you listened on your commute in the morning. Keep on keeping on. Proceed. That's not a question. All right. <laughs> so Magos Dominus uh, asks, on a more fun and optimistic note, what new units do you want to see come to the Thousand Suns? Rubric, Psychic Dreadnoughts, proper Spire Guard, maybe? So for me, um, I want to see more Dusty Boy units. I did not sign up for this army to be a goat herder and <laughs> I will not bow to become such. I have goats for Age of Sigmar, mostly because Silver Tower requires them, but that's it. Uh, so for Thousand Suns, I would like to see a Thousand Sun rubric unit for effectively each of the uh, choices. So we have segment terminators and I love them but I want to see an elite thousand suns rubric unit in the elite slot fast attack, maybe uh, jump thousand suns or thousand suns on bikes. Who knows? Sky's the limit or uh, hell the freaking heavy support thousand suns are simple. Give them soul reaper cannons and hellfire missiles. There you go. The army already has those. You need to make a model <laughs> for the missile launcher, I guess. But that's not hard. I mean, I could convert that with just the junk I have within like three feet of me. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is more a Thousand Suns specific demon engine. Uh, sort of, so for instance, Death Guard came out. They got three different demon engines. They're all really cool. They're all really good. Where's our love? We yeah. got a giant gribbly beast and two and three squads of goats. And they weren't even really, it wasn't new things. It was just, Correct. oh, here's the stuff from Age of Sigmar. They, they are part of Zinch. So here you guys. Here you go, guys. They're, that's your army now. But um, Psychic Dreadnoughts, hell yes. Give me the Assyrian. The, the, there's a beautiful yes. model for it. The, the Caladius got rules before the Assyrian did. It didn't even exist when this edition came out. What's up with that? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, proper Spire Guard. I mean, I love the Spire Guard. However, I'm fairly certain that all the Spire Guard either got turned into mulch by the Space Wolves or got turned into goats by Zinch. Yeah, I'm pretty sure at this point the Spire Guard are the Zangers. So I would... So I, as much as I would love... Spire Guard... Yeah, that would be really cool to have. I completely agree. Even even if you had like close combat rubric marines with like the Kanadi blades or whatever from oh yeah, that would be or even would be better. Awesome. Give me a rubric, a oh, an aspiring sorcerer cabal, like a warlock council. Well, there's your fast attack. 
What if you had yeah. your, your discs and they can, yeah. the more you have, the better they get at psychic stuff. Yeah. That, that, you know what? Games Workshop, don't even need to give me money for this. Just take it. Run. <laughs> take my money. Make it happen. Yep. Yeah. I would, you know, on the notion of having unique stuff, I, I think the demon, I would like to see the Legion get away from like relying on the generic demon engines. Mm-hmm. And get a little bit more into like having their own versions of like the land raider, the predator. Um, where's our artillery other than the stuff you get from Forge World? Like that mm-hmm. is one of the things. Indirect fire, um, long range heavy weapons um, have platforms that are at least equivalent to something like how the Primaris had their executioner um, or a land raider variant, or at least like make the land raider have options like the regular space Marines do. It's not like just because w- they fell to heresy that they forgot how to put, you know, the, the heavy bolters or the hurricane bolters on the side of them. No, I mean, if anything, you'd just, think they'd have more options because they don't even worry about tech heresy. Yeah, anymore. they got to scrap stuff together and they got to, you know, hell, I'll put dual soul reaper cannons on the side of my land raider. I mean, stuff like that should be a thing and should be very easy to model up. I'd pay money for that. I would too. I would too. And you'd have a use for a land raider all of a sudden. So, I mean, I don't know how good it'd be, but I'd pay money for it. I think you could use it. <laughs> but they'd have to adjust the rules for the terminators too i mean i think yeah i think all in all the bigger problem that we have is not it, it is that we don't have options but it's not only that we don't have options it's that the options that we have are becoming more and more dated obsolete yeah yeah more obsolete based on where the rest of the power level in the game the bar just keeps going up so. mm-hmm. all right so our last question tonight what uh from netter mizuno uh what's the basics for thousand sons what should new players accept from the army and what are the traps to avoid when making an army and what are common and what are the common things um so netter always asks the best questions Um, i I think he's trying to trip us up again so um that is a question that is uh well, appropriate for an entire podcast in and of itself. However, I'll, I'll make a stab at it um, if you're game for it. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So the basics of Thousand Suns. So effectively, your guys are a little slower and a little tougher than normal Marines. So you should. But they also have better weapons in the terms of their bolters. They all have it two AP. And they have a Psyker and better than their unit. So the other thing is all of our leaders are Psykers. Um, and we get bonuses towards being psychic. We can, you can spite more than everyone else. So really what this turns into is your entire army is this sort of tough, not as mobile as you would like to be psychic monster that sort of trundles around the table, taking objectives and psychicing people. Uh, you also have goats, which you must learn to herd at a masterful level in order to prevent your opponent from stopping you from trundling around the table as they said, I said a psychic monster um and so really what you want to do is use your rubrics and your other faster u- units to go around and take the static objectives if we're at tc obviously you'll take the mission objectives or the engineer or whatever and with the zengors their entire job is as much as they can kill things is to prevent your opponent from doing the same thing um and so traps to avoid in this army are do not get overly invested in any one thing. This is why Magnus, as much as he's this big hulking giant of a beautiful man, 
and has really good rules on paper is actually kind of useless is the fact that he's a giant point sink. And if 2000 points of army shoots at 400 points of army, it doesn't matter how good you are that 400 points of army are going to die. Uh, the same thing follows true for pretty much every unit. Um, <clears throat> it's why you don't usually want to take 20 man squads of rubrics. Um, 30 man squads of Zengors are okay because they're sort of cheap and they're kind of tough for what they do. Um, and generally speaking, the entire heavy support choice line has been relegated to not being used is because all the things are too expensive for what they do. The possible exception now with the new rules update of the Vindicator. All right, <clears throat> next, you're going to want to make sure that you have enough guys to actually do what you're trying to do. So if you're going to be playing an objective heavy game, or because you're playing ITC, then make sure you have enough dudes to take enough of all the objectives. Even if the game won't necessarily allow you to, at some point you might actually just lock your opponent in a corner and say, like, well, all five objectives are mine, I win. Um, and the other thing is you need to make sure you have enough firepower through the combination of psychic powers and whoever that jerk is with the freaking broken muffler um, to prevent your opponent from doing the same so psychic powers are obviously very potent in this regard because they allow no saves um in the case of some of them you can even just pick out a guy and kill him um which is very useful smite is surprisingly good at just deleting units because you guys are fairly cheap and you can take tons of it so even the rubric marines mainly do one point of damage of the smite at the time if you have three squads of rubric marines well, that's almost better than bringing a single exalted sorcerer because well he does between one and three whereas you just do flat three um generally speaking the last thing you really just need to get really good at is thousand sons are probably one of the hardest armies to play in the game the entire game at the moment because other armies can choose to focus on a single phase of the game. He's like, I can do this and I will win. Thousand Suns, you need to be extremely good at movement because every inch matters when your army only moves five inches without advancing. You need to get good at psychic your psychic phase, being able to position yourself in such a way that you can smite the targets you want or you can apply your buffs whenever you need, where you really need them without preventing your ability to preventing yourself from capturing objectives or scoring points in some way. You need to be know your target priority for your shooting because you don't, as much as your guns are all very good, you need to be able to pick the target that will, you'll get the most bang for your buck. So you're not wasting shots on something stupid. You're instead deleting the unit that's either going to be a threat or is an easy kill or something along those lines so that you're constantly sort of pushing the bar forward towards you winning while your opponent doesn't. Thirdly, you need to be good at the rules for charging and how combat works. Because just because you have a 30-man block of Zengors that you could technically tie up the entire enemy army, you don't necessarily want to declare a charge versus the entire enemy army because Overwatch hurts and you have no defense against it. Well, other than your impulse save, of course. So instead, learning tricks to, like, for instance, tag a single unit and then pile in to the guard army so that, well, now next turn, their entire front line just falls back. That's a very important note. Or knowing which targets different units are good against killing. Because Zengors are very good versus different things. But did you know that Zengors versus a character knight are actually surprisingly killy? Who would have thought? <clears throat> 
And so being very cognizant of what in your army is, is doing at any given time is very important, which isn't as hard as you might think because, because as much as things are kind of cheap, they're also really expensive compared to other armies. You don't necessarily have as much of everything else as everyone else does. And that's my entire rundown on how to play a thousand sons like a champ in less than 10 minutes. That was great. I think the only things I would add to that is I think you, you were very on point in that thousand sons. You have to use every ass or every phase of the game. It's not like Tau. It's not like, you know, corn demons where you have one phase and that's it. Um, movement, I think is probably the hardest thing of all of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you you realize how much positioning, line of sight, anticipating where they're going to move and how far they can move, all these things start driving what you how you move and and manipulate your army and where you put yourself into position. That becomes the really big important thing, and I think that's echoed by um, Matt Ali, who runs. You know, he's played a mass rubric marine competitively very successfully. Um, but he'll echo the same thing where it's so movement intensive that can actually slow the game down and you are, you're having to do so much thinking, which on one end makes the army very engaging when you go to play them. Uh, I think it's one of the things where if you can, if you can in the early stages of playing Thousand Suns put up with the fact that it's going to be an uphill battle for you to, to really make the thing work and sing, when you do get to that point that you ha- you've been able to play the army really well, I think it's much more rewarding than say taking a, a, a nothing but a bunch of knights and just like, Hey, look at me. I can roll really good saves and really good, you know, really good shots on everything and everything just blows up whenever I point and click. The, the other thing uh, you really need to learn the stratagems and what they apply to. And I can't say, I can't echo more Mike's, philosophy towards designing the army and that you build around the stratagems. So you Mm -hmm. pick your core stratagems that you want to use, and then you design your army to that. I think in the early goings of playing the thousand sons army, even, even if you're later on and you just want to have a competitive army, building your army out that way is a lot more successful than just looking at the points for something and figuring out, well, this thing's nice and cheap. How many of these things can I pack into the into the army? There's more finesse to this than than just going that route. Um, and learning the stratagems and when to use them and how to use them really helps you get better at the army. A lot of it is just driven at making the army uh, function and handle situations that, um, oh, wow, I didn't take that psychic power. Well, I guess, no, wait, I can just go get it right now. Yeah. No. And the big part of behind the stratagem thing, well, that's just sort of general list building though. That's why I didn't talk about it is that it allows you to go into a given game with a plan. It's like, I want to do these things and those things will help me win. And so effectively is if you're not, that's playing proactively. And as long as you are playing proactively as opposed to reactionary, you'll have a much better game and a much better experience than if you just sort of sort of like, I'm going to wing it. Yeah. And the other thing I would uh, point to that's, um, pretty important with thousand sons is you have to, even though you're going to have to learn all these different phases um, and, and the, all the little intricacies of them, especially the assault phase where you, you know, you were point spot on with the fact that you have to get your guys into combat. Um, you can tag units a certain way. So you learn 
all the all the little minutia of each phase and the rules of how things need to move or where they need to move, what they need to move closer to, all that stuff's going to make you a lot better um, as mm-hmm. a just generally as a player. Um, but you know, the other thing is there are trap units in the, in the army. Um, Magnus is definitely the biggest trap unit. Uh, he's so many points that you're dumbing into it, just like you said, but the, he, he can win you games, but he will also probably lose you games just based on the fact that he takes so much of your army up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, the real challenge like like the way I was trying to, I guess, phrase that was picking up Thousand Suns and playing them is not hard. You can pick up the unit or the army and play them. It's playing them well that's hard. And yeah. one of the things you realize is that Magnus is kind of like this really good training wheel to get you up to speed with it because you can take him and you can absolutely stomp people with Magnus. He will go in and just literally wrecking ball whatever he wants in the early parts of the game. Um, But that's granted you go first and granted you're playing an opponent that you can actually get him in into your, uh, your enemy and actually do things. Competent opponents have very good strategies for defending against that, that can literally just make Magnus whiff early game. Uh, So, I think he's, that's how he's a trap unit where if you're brand new to the army, he's great to put out there. He's a fun model to build and paint. He looks amazing, but playing the army very, very well re- requires you to start thinking about designing your army without him in it. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of our Q and a session. Um, yep. I, Mike, I do ha- actually, no, I forgot one question. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, it's about Magnus, though, since we were just talking about him. Um, what was it? Was did, it? did he do anything wrong? No, no, Magnus did nothing wrong. That, you guys know, remember that. It's very important. <laughs> All right. <laughs>